Good Up is our space to talk about those experiences in life we didn't know we all had in common. We're the after work happy hour conversation with your best friend. The place where you bring up the hard parts of life, the ones that made you laugh, and the things that made you who you are. Because who said becoming good up wasn't a little bit uncomfortable? Stay tuned for more information about this week's episode. Hey, beautiful people. Welcome back. Today's episode is very exciting. We have got three guests. We got Aniska Tung, Ludens Romney, and Diamond Ritter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, guys. Thanks for being here. Hey. Thank you so much for having us. Happy to be here again. So so tell the people what the episode is about today, Deidre. Girl, let me tell you something. I'm going to say it with my chest because I'm dark-skinned and I love that shit. We talking about colorism <laughs> and y'all preferences being garbage, okay? Your little preferences, they're basura. And even though I'm not Latina, I could say that because your preferences is trash. That's what we're talking about today, okay? Who, who wants to start? Who wants to start? <laughs> so today, oh, like Deidre said, today's episode is on colorism. But we're having a full-fledged conversation. It's not just about y'all gabajaz preferences. It's also about what is colorism. Because a lot of people hear it on the internet or, you know, see conversations about it. But they don't actually know what colorism is. They don't know how they benefit from it. They don't know how they might have been oppressed according to it. So I, you know, would love this conversation to you know, touch all parts of those topics. But also, I thought it was important to talk about before, because most people listening to this episode, unless they're uh, patrons, won't be seeing the people on the podcast today. So I want you guys to know, the lightest person on this episode is me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm pretty sure she came up with the topic too. (laughs) No, I did. I did. did. Colorism is one of those conversations that I think people like to sort of like shove off and that shit don't exist. And I know for a fact, as a light-skinned woman, that I benefit from it. And I've seen it in, in real time. So I genuinely wanted to have that conversation. And, of course, my two favorite dark-skinned twins are on here. And we also have Aniska. So, and Ludens, like, I've had individual conversations with each of you at different points in time about colorism. For Aniska, it was as it relates to her her experience in the pageantry industry. For Ludens, it was based off of his experience as, you know, being a light-skinned Black man and those sort of stereotypes that come with being light-skinned. And then, of course, Diamond and Deidre, like, y'all have been through the ringer in terms of how people view you or treat you based off of the darkness of your skin. So, Absolutely. we're going to go around the, around the chat and we're going to sort of talk about what have your initial experiences been with colorism and how does it show itself in your life? And Diamond raising her hand like the student in the class. <laughs> and ready. Ready. She yeah. at the front of the classroom. Because I have a testimony, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, for me, I can remember experiencing colorism as early as elementary school, right? Like going to school and getting teased for being black. Oh, like, yeah. I remember the first time I went home crying because I was like, mommy, why are people teasing me? Because I'm dark skin. I didn't even know I was dark skin. I didn't know what it was to be dark skin or light skin or anything until I went to school. I was called a black ghost and all the, all the funny names, you black remember? like dot, black like tar. You remember when they used to call me Blackie Chan? Blackie Chan. Uh, I have heard I've never heard that one. Oh, <laughs> we got a bad. It was two a week. It doesn't have that. What with dark skin comes hyperpigmentation. So I remember I had my scars from my chicken pox on my legs. So it was raising foot black ghosts. Like Damn, it was. <laughs> I now, but like I was really hurt as a kid. And so I went to school. Like imagine being home and being made to feel like you're beautiful. And then when you go out in the in the world, and it's not just kids. It's like adults too. They 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 right. subconsciously <clears throat> favor more fair skin children or children who look a yeah. certain way. And so imagine being home and being made to feel like you're beautiful and you're worthy. But then when you go out, people treating you like the scrum at the bottom of your shoe. Mm. So it was, I re, that's, that was my first experience with colorism and it literally continued and it continues to this day, but it doesn't affect me as much because I mean, I does this. Like, I ain't new to this. I true to this. I mean, obviously, it's very much that because we're identical twins. Um, so, yeah, we just, we, it started very young. I feel like, honestly, Booby, I feel like it was, so, 
my earliest memory is once we were living home because um yeah because i don't remember experiencing it in new york but yeah no yeah we we moved I, to st croix when we were five so my earliest memory of it i was living in st croix and naturally we were even darker than our natural complexions because shit what was in the my sun natural complexion is black like this tank crap i don't know what okay mama about. okay <laughs> okay in about three weeks when your little time wear off you're gonna know wow that's crazy. i ain't <laughs> anyway, even tan yet i ain't even we tan yet and let me tell you our our tanned island complexion is lit we black black i live for it we like blue black but um yeah we used to get made fun of heavy like um and even our mom who isn't as dark as us mm. i and, and obviously my mom's not like a liar but as a child when you've got a mom who's not as dark as you, and then you've got people who are closer to her complexion and lighter who just make fun of you for being black, naturally, I'm like, this lady is she's lying. lying. She says that I'm like, beautiful. Like, lady, you just... her daughter. Exactly. Like, I went through a little period when I was really little where I'm just like, okay, mommy, that's nice of you, but you don't have to lie to me. You know, like, I wouldn't say it to her, but that's what I would think. Um, mm-hmm. Until eventually, like, I realized, like, no, I'm the fucking baddest. I mean, I wasn't mm-hmm. saying that at 10, but my mom, <laughs> she kept doubling down on that. Like, she never changed her tune. And um, and I, I eventually I got to the point where I believed her, you know. Um, and now as an adult, low-key, even, I don't, I try not to come off as, like, bitter. But now that dark skin is celebrated and everybody is highly melanated and melanin popping and all that shit. Um, I love it. I think it's dope. But at the same time, I kind of find myself like, girl, shut the fuck up. Because, yeah, I used to be blacky chan. Now all of a sudden it's black, it's dark yeah. skin goals and all this. Keep it. Like, keep it. I also don't appreciate it being <laughs> treated like a trend. Like, right. people who are born with African featured, melanoid features, it's not a trend. It's, 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 hu- it's, it's just are. human. Right. It's who we are. So for it to now be this thing where, like, all, like like we just said, all of a sudden it's like being dark skin is celebrated, but the way I see it, it's only celebrated to a certain extent because you only see right. women who look like Gabrielle Union, Lupita Nyong'o, and like us, you only see a, right, exactly. you only see a certain type of dark skin woman being celebrated. We're not seeing the women who are plus size and dark skin. We're not seeing the women who are super skinny or super, like we don't see dark skin women that's outside of the parameters of what society has deemed um, beautiful. Or desirable, yeah. if you will. Or desirable. Know, just to make a point to what um, Diamond said, I agree. So I think for for me, colorism has always allowed me to kind of understand tokenism as well, which is why when I see, like, it's such a good thing to see dark-skinned women being celebrated, but I'm always so conscious of, like, why are you celebrating this? Is it because you understand what dark-skinned women had to propel beyond in order to be successful or in order to have the same opportunities? Or is it because you see this skin color and this hair type and this style as a way to, you know, sell your brand or tokenize Black women? So for for me, colorism has always gone, like, very hand-in-hand in tokenism. It it, it is. Very true. You're absolutely right. Um, And I mean... Even when you think about, like you just said, like the amount of hurdles that Black women have to, you know, hop, if you will, or jump to achieve success. When you tap on dark skin, it's like even more so. I feel like all Black women have to really work twice as hard. But then when you Mm -hmm. add that dark skin to it, you have to work even harder because the slightest thing can be taken as anger or aggression. The The darker your complexion is, the more dangerous you come off. The more definitively black you are, the like like she said, the harder you have to work. You have to be like a 10 out of 10, out of 5. Not even a 10 out of 10. You have to be a 10 out of 5 at something. Be it academia, your looks, just being in, like talented. Like You just always have to bring some special thing to the table. Like, look, guys, I'm this supreme, beautiful woman, according mm-hmm. to society. Or, look, guys, I'm super duper smart. I have an 8.6 GPA out of 4. Like It's just always like we have to be freaking avatars. And it's, it's yeah. kind of dumb. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, you have to have the bad- bangingest body and the cutest <laughs> smile or the prettiest skin. God like, forgive you if you get freaking crooked teeth or So in in relating colorism to preferences, which I this conversation with colorism and preferences had made has made me hate the word preference so much because I've noticed that people tend to try to excuse their colorism or mask their colorism by saying something is a preference, right? And the reason that 
you know, Ludens has been brought into this conversation. It's not because it's not just because he's the light skinned man in the room. It's also because <laughs> Ludens tends to take part in conversations on the internet where he'll correct those people. And I'll observe it often and then text him and be like, I see you do this shit. Thank this you. is why we friends. King shit. Like, king shit, period. King shit. Right. He he really don't be on his king shit often. Um, you know, and I I wanted to sort of hear from him in terms of like what types of conversations do you often hear coming from men as it surrounds colorism? And like, how do you feel about that whole conversation? Because I know you and I have talked about those stereotypes when it comes to not being tradi- like whatever traditionally black is right. and like how you feel about that. Right. It, so it's interesting because you have to look at the du- duality of it because at one end you hear about the male's preferences and how that might be rooted in colorism. And then there's like me being a light-skinned man there might be a dark-skinned guy who assumes that I am more favored immediately because of my color, right? So they'd be like, oh, yeah, you the girl, the girls, you know what I mean? And then when you ask them why they say that, it's because of your color. And it's just interesting because it's like, growing up, I didn't really see myself as, oh, I lighter, so I go, I'm going to get these things easier. I'm going to achieve these things easier. But I had the privilege of not having to think of my skin tone as often because there's nobody really reminding me of it, right? Like, even if they say, well, you light, you know what I mean? It don't, like, okay, they could say your your chest bright or something like that, but it really ain't nothing outside of that, right? Like, they're not pounding that into your head ever compared to, you know, the other side where I wouldn't have known otherwise because it's not like I partake in those comments. But then when you hear them talk about it, be like, damn, people would be grilling you like that. You know, like you used to be hearing that that often when you were young, you know. So understanding that like darker skinned men could possibly think that you're more favored by women because of that past that they had. And you wouldn't even think that they think like that until they make like that joke with you. And you realize, okay, you make this joke often. This is this is something you actually believe, right? So then when you go to the, the preferences now that they've internalized from the same colorism, you know, you realize that the, the way they react to certain women who have a confidence about themselves, right? Like maybe if they're bigger or if they're darker, they might diss them more, you know, faster than the lighter skinned woman who have more confidence and stuff like that. They feel like they have to humble the darker skinned woman immediately, yep. right? And it's like, yep. why Why is your preference the way that it is? Like, if you ask them, why do you prefer that? They can't answer you. They'll just know. be like, I just, so just I can't have a preference? That's the, that's the first thing. So I can't have a preference? Like, I ain't say you can't have a preference. I just want to know why does that preference exist? And why they could never answer it. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, and, why and, do you like light skin? Uh, uh, and like, they cannot answer. They can't, because they don't know why, and or they don't want to explore why, when we all know what it is. It has to do with what we've been programmed and, to believe. And the thing is, they, they exactly. prob- they're probably aware of why they want, they like it. They're right? just but ashamed they don't to want say it. to say it. I was just going to say, what know, it is, is, you know, it's rooted in self-hatred and they know, again, and like you said, Lorenz, it's bigotry, all of it. But like you said, Lorenz, they know exactly why. They just know that their reasoning is Absurd. politically incorrect or awful or mm-hmm. unkind, if you will. Um, a lot of them tend to, the ones who do attempt to um, give their reasoning why, usually it is because black women are this or because darker women are that. Um, so that's interesting, but I want to ask you something, Lorenz, because mm. I could be wrong. I'm not a dark skinned man, so I wouldn't know. Right. Do you feel like there seems to be a bit of a preference toward dark skinned men? Like, do you feel like women, especially maybe lighter complex, you know, lighter women tend to gravitate more toward dark skinned men because they're chosen more by dark skinned men? Does that make sense? No, I understand what, what asking? you're asking. I, I, I would say it seems like it some of the times, especially mm-hmm. now in this trend, because it's not only dark-skinned women in the trend now, it's also dark-skinned men, right? So yeah. in my experience as a light-skinned man, I didn't really get uh, bashed as a light-skinned man until maybe mm-hmm. around the Drake era, right? To me, it's the Drake era that really started yeah. the light-skinned no. jokes, you know what I mean? I only ask students um, because, for one, I feel like even before dark skin became trendy, I feel mm-hmm. like black men have been, I mean, right. black people in general have been fetishized 
heavily. I feel like the darker a black man is, the more muscular he is, the more desirable he tends to be. They attribute ultimate masculinity Mas to a yes. darker man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They automatically assume that you're not as masculine. And then it's funny because you're caught in a catch-22, right? Because if they, this, you say you soft, you this, you that, and you react to it, then you kind of prove their point because then the CC, it bothering you. so emotional. You're so emotional yeah. right now. So it's like, you you have to act like it ain't bothering you, but then it's like, no, you shouldn't think like that because mm -hmm. what about the dark-skinned man that ain't as masculine or as tough or as hard? Do right. they not have the space to be vulnerable? Do they not have the space mm -hmm. to be emotional? Right. Like, what does that mean then? And this is what yeah. I want people to realize, right? It's not... When you say something is about preference, you have to understand, like Diamond said, where is that preference rooted? Like Aniska rooted. said, like Deja said. So people, you know, and me and Ludens have had this conversation in terms of the stereotypes surrounding light-skinned people, how people think that we're more docile or we're, you know, light-skinned men more sensitive and they're more this and they're more that, right? You're, com you're applying these stereotypes to light-skinned men in direct response to how you feel about dark-skinned people. Exactly. It's not that huh? you think like yep. people are this way. It's that because you think dark-skinned people dark are more people. aggressive, more, you know, some, you know, harder, more masculine. That's the reason you think light-skinned people are the exact opposite. It's mm -hmm. not. Yeah. Which is why when light-skinned people, shit. and this is me, the, the light break of the conversation, telling the light-skinned mm -hmm. people, listen I mean, to people this. don't even consider you black hair, Isa. So can exactly. you even yeah. call like, yeah. yeah. this point? Like, <laughs> listen, but what I'm saying is, there's going to be some light-skinned people listening to this episode and saying, well, people treat me this way because I'm light-skinned. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not that they're exactly it, it's not that that's colorism against you it's that right. because of their colorism against dark-skinned people, people they feel yeah. you're the opposite i think i think for me when we talk about preference like everyone is allowed that preference whether it is in what you prefer in regards to height or what you prefer in regards to age or what your what physical features you think your part you'd like your partner to have we are all allowed that i think when it becomes an issue or when it is obviously problematic is like Luden said, like if I'm to ask you, well, why is that your preference? It shouldn't be, well, because black dark skinned women are this, we are dark skinned women are that, we are dark skinned women aren't docile enough. Like so that your preference cannot be be based on on breaking down a part oh, of no, our a part of our community that is so that we should be protecting the most, that we should be amplifying the most. And I feel like for me, whatever have your preference but that is where like i have to draw the line because if if it is based on beating down my other sisters like that's not a preference that's hate. that's dumb it's hate you know it's hate and, and let me clarify a good example of what a preference should be i like men with some muscles not because it's good to look at but because i'm heavy i'm tall okay <laughs> I am not, uh, not because I find skinny men to be unattractive. No, because, I can't. you know, I might knock you down if we're walking on the street and, you know, like, I, you know, my preferences have nothing to do with the opposite of what I like. Like, I like chocolate ice cream. Like, it tastes good. Not because vanilla ice cream is lame, but just because exactly. I like the way and I think And I think that's what people don't understand, like. They prefer something because they dislike the other side. Not because, yes. like they're more exactly. vocal about what they dislike about the other than side what than they what they like about what the they side like. that they like. And that's I like strong men because a lot of times they don't even really like anything. They don't even yeah. know what they like or know what they want. They just know what they don't want right. because of mm -hmm. what society and right. the media has made them. Right. They never, they never right. really exactly. sat down and think, why don't but, I like this? Exactly. They exactly. just know what's accepted most like and what, what, what people will uh, will um, award them for most, what they'll be most benefited mm -hmm. for. Exactly. What aligns them the most with exactly. whiteness. With whiteness. Like who's closer to whiteness, whether it be mm -hmm. fair skin or features or wealth. Or that's hair. what they'll take. I love, I love this one. They love it when it's somebody that's exotic. Right, Girl, right. Our, our men love it when it is someone who oh, you can't really tell what she is. She's yeah, that ambiguity. Like, yeah. girl, that racial ambiguity. That racial ambiguity. That racial ambiguity I hate that like. one so much. But yeah. I have to say it because I was having a conversation over lunch, right? And I kept referring to myself as a dark-skinned black woman. And my my lunch date was like, 
why do you keep making sure to emphasize dark skinned black women? I said, because blackness, as far as the race goes, comes in many different shades. And, it's and I have, to, it's important to note because I have a different experience from a racially ambiguous black woman. So I have to make sure that when I'm describing myself, number one, I'm very proud of being a dark skinned black woman. I'm a de- definitively black woman. When you look at me, there is no question of whether or not I'm black. And that's not to say my blackness is more, more relevant than anybody else's. It just means that this is who I am. And it does, I do have a different experience as a black woman because of it. And until colorism, until every form of segregation that really, excuse my language, fucks up our community, until and all of that is eradicated. Excuse my language and the beautiful I'm, people. Girl, you know we <laughs> get them over here. What is wrong with you? Well, I mean, excuse you for that. No, but seriously, until all of those systems of oppression that literally stem from racism and white supremacy, until all of that is eradicated, I'm sorry, I feel obligated to stand in my definitive blackness with pride so that the girls coming up under me or the boys coming up under me who are black can kind of have a sense of pride because when I was growing yeah. up and even currently there are so many people who are running from just blackness. There are people who have to lead with their nationality before the fact that they're just black. <laughs> I was just oh, I'm Bahamian. What does that mean? You're black. I'm looking at a black person. I'm Jamaican. Yeah. Okay. You're a black Jamaican, you know, like I, I, so for me, mm-hmm. I always dark skinned black woman or definitively black woman or just black, black woman, <laughs> because you know, you'll, you'll hear black, like I said, we all know this, black comes in many shades. You've got people mm. like that are here that are black or identify as <clears> black. <throat> and I'm not going to say that you're not black, but at the end of the day, the experience is different. The experience is different. Mm-hmm. And somebody who's not black or who doesn't pay attention will look at you and question what is her race. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it is. I, mean, I fall someplace into, I fall someplace in the middle. So I'm obviously black. Like, black, yeah. I, there's no I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a black woman right so there are there are spaces that I've entered where that is like preceded like they people will always see that first I am always black first and I I have that obstacle to maneuver in a lot of spaces but right I always I also have to identify my privilege as a woman of color that has not had to enter spaces where Deidre and Diamond probably had a more difficult time, you know, because I can pass, right? Like I can, I, I, I am not so black that it makes people uncomfortable, you know? Right. I'm, like, I'm like, I teach her somewhere in the middle. And for me, like after the years of like all the experiences I had, I mean, I've done every pageant, but outside of that academia, I went to grad school, I work in the media. So I see how black women are treated in a lot of spaces. And I see where I have benefited from being not too black and where I have benefited from being just black enough. You know, I have like, a question for you, right? And it's kind of, yeah, sorry to cut sure. you off. No, but my question is because you see how you said in some spaces you go in and they just that you're black and that's it, and in other spaces you you benefit from a little bit of that ambiguity, right? Mm. Please confirm whether or not it's white people or white spaces that just look at you as black or black spaces, because a lot of times people don't want to acknowledge that it's our communities that uh, are that uplifting was, colorism. That, like, the moment you said that. It was instantly, of course, of course, um, non-black communities will will designate me however they feel. But for me, I always sense it the most in communities of color. I always sense it the most in in women of color who aren't black that feel like they have to justify why they why their treatment is better or or justify why they are allowed to be upset because they were treated a certain way by a right. woman. It is always for me, the, the communities of color that remind me like at the end of the day, white spaces will make us, will make us into a token, right? Will make okay. us into one thing that they can use to their benefit or their brand or their enhancement. Right. For me, the work on colorism, so much of it starts in our own communities. I mean, hey, hey, Aizan has spoken of this before, but like, if you look at all these tourism ads, 
run by organizations that are filled with local West Indian people of color. And you barely see women of color that look mm-hmm. like me. Girl, you know, we out here trying to figure out. I didn't realize so many Virgin Islanders were white. Well, <laughs> it's not that we it's not that we taken away from that. Like it this have nothing to do with our disdain for white spaces. But not if we all. cannot even control the narrative in our own spaces, and if we can't even see past colorism in our own spaces, how can we ever expect to be anything but tokenized? by a world that was created just to tokenize us. Exactly. You know? And speaking of tokenism, Aniska, because you mentioned you work in the media, and I really wanted to ask you, especially while you were just talking about, like, you're usually um seen as Black, but then also you kind of benefit from not being seen as Black, so it's a little less black threatening. Or whatever. Do you ever find that you end up essentially just being um just that Black representation? Because I feel like in a lot of... um on TV or wherever, you know, they want to make sure that there's some Black representation, they tend to go for a mixed-race Black person or just Mm -hmm. somebody who looks as close to white as possible but still obviously Black. Or do you feel like sometimes you end up in that space or being that representation? I think, especially now with everything that's happened since um, the protests surrounding George Floyd, we, we see white spaces. And let me preface this by saying that our darker um, colored women, they deserve a platform for them to be seen. Like that is without a doubt, nobody can argue that. My problem is being in these spaces and seeing these women and they, okay, okay, for instance, like Diamond will walk into a room and she's the most, she, she's qualified. She, she is she should get that modeling job just because she's the best one there, right? But now it's like, no, she'll get it because she she fits what we need Black people to feel like we are allowing, right? Mm. Um, I think a good example for me in this was when, I can't recall her name, which I feel so bad for. I think it's Zosie. She's the current Miss Universe. Mm-hmm. Undeniably, she deserved that that role, undeniably. But who could look beat my face and tell me we haven't had a million Zozies before? We haven't had a million women of color with mm-hmm. short pinky hair who just are so prideful in their blackness that mm-hmm. was deserving of the top spot, you know? Right. So it's like we have to be honest with ourselves. Why are they choosing us now? You know, I, why are we why are they giving us these platforms now? And then we have to say, I don't want that platform, you know? I want don't to Don't just give it to me as a participation trophy or just exactly. Admit that I am the most deserving of this position. I have been for this many years, you exactly. know, like exactly. Yeah. And now you, but now you want to see it because you need people to know that they can still follow you on Instagram because you love the black girls. Okay, whatever. It's ghetto. You know? It's ghetto. Today's episode of the Beautiful People Podcast is sponsored by Relationship Hero. Whether you're seeking advice on how to navigate the early stages of dating or looking for smart and tactical ways to maintain a healthy long-term relationship, the coaches at Relationship Hero have you covered. From individual sessions to masterclasses and group coaching, Relationship Hero aims to help people overcome their relationship challenges successfully. Once you sign up, you're matched with a coach who specializes in the areas where you need help. And they're available 24-7 to provide actionable advice throughout your journey. We're all just looking for ways to improve ourselves and our relationships with others. So start today with the help of the Beautiful People podcast. Visit relationshiphero.com forward slash beautiful to support the Beautiful People podcast and get $50 off your first one hour coaching session. I it's It's just, it's interesting listening to this conversation because I... I mean, and I think we all can agree, like colorism has so many layers and shows itself in so many places. So for for me being on the spectrum like of Afro-Latina and sort of coming into that identity, like when I got older, because I didn't I'm, like, you know, in the Virgin Islands, it's sort of like if you're not identifiably black, you're Puerto Rican or you're yeah. something <laughs> Or Santo. Well, yeah, we throw you in a box, yeah, right? Well, but Santos definitely which Santo is right. black, but you know, back home. Exactly. Santo is not. Back home, Santos ain't black. <laughs> right, and I'm just Don't like, I know a few. 
exactly. So it's just, it's interesting, like looking back and thinking about it and knowing that even though in, in the spaces, like in black spaces, I'm racially ambiguous or I'm not, you know, black enough to be black. Right. But in Afro Latino spaces or just Mm -hmm. Latino spaces, my skin tone is considered dark. I'm I was black. just about to ask about and that colorism was, within your community. And it was always considered sort of a negative thing, not within my immediate family. But, you know, even within my immediate family, I could say that it was probably perpetuated without people realizing they were doing it. Like mm-hmm. when, you know, we would go to the beach and things like that. And, and people who know me since I was younger know that like my skin tone was drastically different when I was back home. Right. So we would be looking like a graham cracker, babe. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we would come back from like long weekends at the beach or whatever. And my teachers or other students would be like, yo, like you get black, like you've been in the sun. And like, they would make it this negative thing, the fact that my skin was getting darker. So you internalize shit like that and you don't realize like, okay, mm. apparently darkness or blackness is a negative thing and I don't want that. But also my friends are way darker than I am. So where, yeah. yep. right? Wow. It's it was so just, it, it was an interesting place to be in because it's like, I know how deeply colorism is perpetuated in that community. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm older and I like specifically tell people when they ask me, like, what are you? I know that I could say Afro-Latino, but because I know that people want to fetishize me and want to sort of make my ambiguity a token, I say black mm-hmm. because right. Afro-Latino is still black. So exactly. you're going yeah. to get black because I don't want you to sit here and make me or try to compliment me because you feel my light skin is something of value. Yeah, because and you know what? A lot of people who are mixed in any capacity, when they highlight the fact that they're mixed, it almost sometimes, and I'm not speaking for everybody, so please don't drag me. And if you do, fuck you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of the time, it almost seems as though it's like their way of trying to lean away from their blackness so right. let's They're say trying to i was put it ahead of the the, the yeah, ready, yeah. So yeah. To say, exactly so you know. i'm i'm half black and white or i don't want to use the m word because i didn't i i was 20 i was this it was this year that i learned that the m word was actually a slur because <laughs> i used to say it all the time it's a slur <laughs> mulatto yeah. was a slur a slur girl i didn't know i mean i didn't I know used, either yeah, but I learned this but year it's, that it's a it's slur. It's a slur because of the its historical ties. Like Yeah, which makes perfect that, sense. Yeah, the fact that people sort of, you know, separated them and, you know, they could pass and they were a, a step above regular, mm-hmm. like, black people. Yeah. And I mean, here's my thing, right? Because I, I'm trying to understand when... Mixed black people who are white mm-hmm. passing started to be so oppressed. I don't Girl, mean to. I'm trying not to be problematic right now. It's, but it's, all of a sudden, so, the narrative is shifting to. Is the white in the blood jumping out? That's what that is. Okay, that's their whiteness. It, no, white white but at the end of the day, it's just like they don't. All of a sudden, they had the most trauma. Oh my god! I just had no identity. No, there's my there's, there's and my nothing. Like that's them and that's there's not, nothing so, that so could happen to them that would compare and i'm not trying to compare like i guess trauma or right you but know, it's just like experiences but at the end of the day if you take yourself out of that bubble and you could go mm-hmm. anywhere else and you could succeed immediately just because you're racially That's ambiguous you can leave your area that you felt so oppressed in and come into this area where you will be instantly appreciated just because you're racially ambiguous. And that's my Darker issue. Darker skinned people cannot do that. Cannot they could do leave that. their own home community, go to a next community, and that same community will have the same yeah. views, will have the same and it might be worse. reaction to them. And it might just be worse, especially since they have no connection to you. They don't attribute you to anybody else. Then you ain't this person, right. son or daughter. Exactly. So they have no reason to, like any little reason to treat you any better. And I think I that's my issue. Because, hey, Aja, have you ever anywhere. been teased for being light-skinned? Not teased enough to say I was oppressed, no. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, it, right. And, and here's not... the thing. Here's the thing. People love to play what I call oppression Olympics, right? Oh, yeah. It's yes, whether yes. they're light-skinned. Yeah, whether they're light-skinned, whether they're skinny, whether they're cis, whether they're... They're a white woman. 
uh, hetero. You know, they're the most surprised. Yeah, but that's most. what I'm saying. People, and and I think, I don't want to blame the internet because I hate blaming the internet for shit, especially as a It's the people on the internet. So. I was about to say, it's not the internet, it's the people using the but, internet. But what I'm Period. saying is, people are exposed to all these different narratives, right? And they're starting to be exposed to more and more layers of oppression. They're starting to see, okay, dark-skinned people have had these experiences. Um, trans people have had these experiences. Fat people have had these experiences. Suddenly, I'm recognizing my privilege. I can't cry about something. It's pissing me off. Let me make some shit up, right? Or let me bring up all this shit that really never used to bother me in the first place Mm -hmm. and use this as a sort of rebuttal to the people who are talking about the ways that they've been oppressed. Because, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it, this is like the millionth time I have said this on an online platform. If you understand one form of oppression, you, you understand all. You understand all. As a fat woman, I understand what it's like to be able to enter a space and be treated differently from a skinny woman because of how people view my size. Exactly. So for me to be a light-skinned woman and say, oh my God, but it happened to me too when the when skinny people will do it and it'll piss me off, that would be fucking dumb. Like, it would be dumb. Thank you. Thank dumb. you. And I think that's what I, I think that's what irks me and that's why I tend to try to avoid these conversations because I'm just like, first of all, to be alive is to be privileged, okay? Because some people are just especially and just just to highlight that point especially any part of the diaspora regardless of whether or not you you're mixed if you are a black person and you are alive you're blessed because you survived the friggin transatlantic slave trade for crying out loud okay so there's people people are always quick to acknowledge or or shine a spotlight on their uh, oppression but will never highlight their privilege and right. th- to me, those are the most yeah. dangerous people. Like yeah. I've had conversations with people who, who of course you have you've experienced the forms of oppression, but you might have more privilege than in oppression. Some other way, because in some other way, and when you bring it up, they want to they want to downplay. It. And I'm just like, that would be like me saying I don't benefit from desirability pol- desirability politics. I was like, to say like, that would be like <laughs> me saying I don't benefit from tokenism as it relates to dark skinned women mm-hmm. who look a certain way because. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh my God, like, yes, I have had my share of bullshit from colorism, but in the same breath, when it, when it comes to tokenism, I have benefited. I have been that token dark skin go-to girl. When we stopped getting teased for being dark skin, we started getting very backhanded compliments as teenagers. You're pretty for a dark skin girl. Yeah. Right. Like and that. then it evolved we were, to, oh pretty. my God, you're so fine. You're so, you're so stunning. I you're even so... heard that exotic word and that mm-hmm. pisses me off. So it goes back to what hey, I just said in that, like we have to, all of us individually have to be able to identify what our privileges are. Like just like you can identify your oppression, you should be able to identify your privilege and And we have to use it responsibly too. Yeah, we have to be honest about about the benefits we get from those privileges, Mm -hmm. and not not just in spaces that aren't ours, but most importantly in the spaces that are ours. Like I've heard from you know dark skinned women how light skinned women have treated them because they've internalized the 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 praise that they get from white people, darker skinned black people, or any other race on this planet, right? Because they're favorable because they're lighter skinned. And dark skinned mm-hmm. women have had bad experiences with light skinned women who kind of gloat in their face about how desirable they are because they're light. And sometimes when I'm on Twitter and I see like light skinned women try to derail the colorism mm-hmm. discussion and say they experience this and that is like like, you know, just want you to tell them like shut up. Like you have to <laughs> experience and your privilege to try to build up and say why this is wrong right like there'll be light-skinned people who revel in the fact that somebody is with them because they like them being light-skinned and to me to me if i with somebody that i know they with me because i'm light-skinned and they don't like dark-skinned people I ain't gonna want to be with them because that don't make no sense to me Mm -hmm. like you don't like me you just like the idea of not being with that other side that you so-called dislike and i mm-hmm. i and a lot of light-skinned women aren't like that they like the fact mm-hmm. that they're desirable over the darker-skinned woman or, yeah and, and they, they, they they're charged up by it right and yeah. they are okay with being with somebody that props them up on a pedestal even though it's a pedestal that based in colorism and exactly. it's, it's not and he and, and I'm about to piss a lot of people off, especially black men. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually not sorry. 
Let me just say this, and I mean this shit from the bottom of my heart. A lot of light-skinned women who feel like they're better than dark-skinned women, especially those who are with darker black, darker-skinned black men, y'all are the reasons why. When y'all sit here and y'all tell, uh, you know, Mimi or whoever little light-skinned girls that y'all tricking off, when y'all telling them that you prefer them over dark-skinned women because they look better and all this shit, that fuels them to turn around and come and insult me. And you're not only insulting me, you're insulting your mother, little bitch, okay? When you go to those women and you make them feel like they're better than the very black women that you came from, and then they turn around and they come to me, now I get to drag you, your mother, Mimi, and her mother. You know my favorite thing to tell uh, a a black man who loves non-black women who hates me dating outside of my race? I don't quickly let them know. It takes me, like you see them little exotics you like? I got to be with a white man to make more of those. So what's up? Let me tell you something. So they're selling exotics so much. Y'all like exotics, but it takes black women stepping out of their race or or black men stepping out of their race. Don't get mad when I do it. When you're doing the same goddamn thing. I tell them it simply. I'm not going to get, you could date, Whatever race you'd like, because I'm going to do the same. I'm going to do the same, and they might treat me better. But I'm gonna shit on you. Exactly, I'm gonna shit on you. I have a and whatever. I don't even care. I have a preference. I do have a preference. I'm allowed that, right? We all have preferences. But my preference has nothing to do with anybody that I have ever met or not met. Been with it has to do with you. With. It has to do with me. So I any, the juice any, is flowing. <laughs> thank you. So yeah, any, some hoes in this house. Any, any this man house. of color who's going to tell me, well, you know, because I've had experiences before, like I've been out in public with my guy, and black men will literally come up to our table and be like, Y'all together? Motherfucker, what do you think? We are having yeah. dinner. Like, you think we here talking about freaking stocks and bonds? Well, it's bonds? a business meeting. She meeting with her attorney, chill. <laughs> and it's just like, like you can date whoever you want, but not to the demise of me and my sisters, who are the ones who always the ones first to the front line for y'all. Always the ones first to talk about how much we have to protect y'all, how much mm-hmm. we have to be in the trenches with y'all. Like, have your preference, but not at the diminishment of me and my sisters, you know? And, and I just period. think a lot of black men don't get that. You know what I do? And now that Deidre has already dragged black men, I need to drag light-skinned women, right? Oh, oh yes! Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm loving that! And, and light-skinned men, too. And sh- yeah. If you are in rooms where you're being fetishized and tokenized and people are praising you because of your skin and you are not doing anything to stop that shit... You're part of your the problem. problem. I've been in I've been in relationships where I literally dated a guy my freshman year in college and he took me to his house to meet his mom, right? And you know, loved his mom to this day like we're we're still okay, we know each other from a distance whatever, but his mom made a comment about the fact that now he was going to have pretty babies, right? Sure. And when she said that shit, when I mean like I literally wanted to vomit, I was just like, "What the fuck do you mean?" That your son, and her son was perfectly handsome, perfectly attractive. There was nothing unattractive about him. But now that he has this light-skinned girlfriend, you're going to have... That's how is the ghetto. Yeah, you're going to have pretty babies, right? So I was just like, you know, it kind of threw me off. And I've heard it multiple times. And even in the early stages of the relationship that I'm in now, we had to sort of break down those types of conversations because he would say things like, you know, I like light-skinned girls, right? And I would always ask why. And he would be like, well, I don't know. I just attracted to light-skinned women. And I would be like, cool. As long as you don't sit in front of me and say shit about dark-skinned women, we're fine. And I would always sort of make a big deal about it just to make sure, like, we're setting this tone in our relationship because I don't ever want to hear that shit come out of your mouth. Mainly because, Okay, I'm lighter. But what if we have a daughter someday and she takes after your side of the family? What if she's darker skinned? What you know, what happens when she hears this shit come out of your mouth and exactly. she knows that her father prefers women who don't look like her? Like And even by chance, if you guys do have kids and those kids end up being light, then what happens is they continue to perpetuate that exactly. same narrative of, oh well, I'm exactly. better because I'm you know lighter skinned or whatever the case may be. And you I refuse to praise my child based on 
you know, if I Looks. tell my daughter she's beautiful, it's going to be because I think that's my child and she's the most beautiful thing in the world. But it's not going to be because I think she has quote unquote good hair or light right. or pretty eyes. Like none of that shit is going to be factors in how and I compliment how, my children. You, you know, it's so funny for me. I, I make sure to let Dylan, I use Dylan's skin as a means of complimenting him specifically because it's not right. done for us enough. So Dylan knows we have beautiful dark beautiful skin. Brown skin. Beautiful brown skin. Dylan loves to let people know I have beautiful brown skin. He knows I got to keep my beautiful brown skin moisturized. But I remember when we were in St. Croix, like I had to kind of, I had to kind of make my mom realize how something she was saying was problematic. And I didn't say that she was problematic, but I remember, um, I feel like Dylan's hair needed to brush or something like that. And Dylan has what the girls like to call good hair. He's got that curly type three-ish hair or, you know, the hair that all the people fetishize or what have you. But this day in particular, I didn't put product. We went on vacation. I didn't put a product in his hair or nothing. So my mom was like, we were like, oh, and she like touched his hair and she goes, Deidre, why didn't you put any product in his hair or brush it or anything? Like you're making my grandson look like he has nappy hair. And we all know he has curly hair. And I said... First of all, we don't use that word. Like, I was so offended, but I was like, mommy, one, we don't use that word ever. Like, whether or not we have it, and me me who have nappy hair, I don't care. We're not describing hair as nappy, period. Number two, I don't want Dylan to feel like the only time his hair looks good is when I put product in it or when I brush it. Sometimes we don't get up and we ain't gonna feel like brushing our hair. And that's okay. And it doesn't take away from how good we look. Like, we have to make sure to do that work. We have to, as a community, do that work. And she thought I was doing the most. Me and not lie. She didn't, she didn't protest, but she also was very obviously annoyed by it. And at the very least, I'll give her credit. Later on in our time back home, she made more of an effort to avoid using it. And we even had a conversation later down the road because she brought it up again because his hair wasn't brushed. And she said, I know you don't want me saying nappy, but tell me again why it's so important to you that you don't make it such a big deal. And I said, because I don't want Dylan to ever feel like he has to take all these steps in order to be beautiful. I want that if he wakes up and decides not to brush his hair, he still know he look good. Like, that's just, it's simple. It's really not rocket science. But it starts with the babies because we all internalize some level of self-hatred in our lives. Like, shit, my mom started relaxing our hair when we were five. Okay? I, I had to learn my natural hair texture as a grown woman when I made the choice to go natural a few years ago because I didn't know what my natural hair was like. Yep. <laughs> I bet you know about that, Aniska. <laughs> no, I just want to piggyback a little bit off of um, what Deidre said. And uh, this is going to sound so crazy when I say it, but I think it's something that we all have to like kind of be able to admit. For a long time, I will say until I was truthfully until maybe last year or a year and a half ago is when I was like, I became really comfortable with my blackness because I went from being home where it was like, not a thing. I was just Aniska to moving to the States and being so aware of my blackness, but also being so aware of how like, difficult it was just to be that right like I was always in spaces that was like oh wear contacts so your eyes look lighter make sure your hair is straight make sure you look you know as 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 close to white as possible and I as whitewashed as possible as whitewashed as possible and I think like Deidre says like you internalize that and could you imagine I'll be I'm, I'm 29 now but it took me more than 20 years of my life to get to a space where I unlearned all of that negativity that had been taught to me for decades. Yeah. And so it's like, it's like a million, it's like then, a million of us. It's with so many microaggressions. Microaggressions, megaaggressions. And it's not even just our community because at the end of the day, those internalized, that internalized self-hatred comes from white supremacy. Like yep. for instance, mm-hmm. Every single woman here, we all have textured hair, regardless of the silkiness and all that jazz. We all got curls, coils, whatever the case may be. What's the likelihood of you going to an interview without straightening your hair or without taming it in some way? Mm. You know what I mean? Especially here in America, you know? Um, For one, like I said, back home, I feel like my job that I had back home, I was still wearing my hair relaxed. So, of course, there was that. But when I first moved here... I was already natural. I love my natural hair. Let me, 
freaking love my natural hair. But I remember the last company I worked for, um, I remember being like, nope, I need to throw on one of them wigs. I need to look, I need to straighten this hair. I don't put heat to my hair. So I, I have learned how to put lay down a lace wig. But I showed up at that interview nice and Eurocentric, okay? Contour the nose. Yeah. And I mean, and it's not because of self-hatred. It's because of what? Assimilation. It's because right. I'm like, I need to be as least as non-threatening as possible so that my resume mm. can speak for itself. And low-key, my name is white, okay? We don't just say that. Deidre Ritter, day, yeah. The day that I interviewed, they didn't even know. They walked right past me looking for Deidre Ritter. Mm. The receptionist called, and my I remember the receptionist so well. She complimented me. She was so nice. This, um, this elderly white lady, she was so nice. But I remember her calling, you know, my supervisor at the time, because obviously I got the job because I'm fucking the baddest. But <laughs> I remember her calling my, my the person who was interviewing me and saying, hey, such and such, you've got a Deidre Ritter here for an interview. I'm sitting in a little waiting area. The two women who are coming to interview me, they come out. They walk right past me. They go to the room that I'm supposed to be meeting them in. They go someplace else. They come to the receptionist and goes, where is she? Because they got my resume. They're expecting Deirdre Ritter. They're expecting a Karen, you know? And she goes, she's right there. And I remember them apologizing profusely. But even little things like that, it's like, well, goddamn, you know? Yeah. I, you think I went to that interview with my damn puff? I wanted some box braids so bad. You, I'm like, you think I'm going to really go to an interview with some box braids? Now I will because take it or leave it. It's know? so funny because earlier today I found myself saying to myself, like, I'm not, I, I have, I can't remember the last time I tried, I worked to try to assimilate. Like mm-hmm. I, first of all, with a name like Diamond, it's impossible. <laughs> like you either have to put D Ritter or, cause it's very seldom that you meet white people with the name Diamond, but it's just like, it's just assumed that it's just some black ghetto girl, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. But for me, I just don't want to do the work of trying to water down my yeah. accent or, or soften my voice, you know, to be a little more approachable or seem a little more soft. I ain't doing all that shit. You know, yeah. the most I would do is cut out the profanity and make sure that I don't appear aggressive. Like, I'll, I'll, the most I would change is my body language because I am a tall woman. I'm 5'10", 180 pounds. I look like a monster. So not in like a bad way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Gotcha. I'm just like, built. Yeah. Built. But you I'm built. I'm, I'm stacked. Right. <laughs> so for me, the only thing I'm willing to be mindful of is my body language. Tone of voice. I don't give a shit. I have a nice, deep black woman voice. <laughs> I have a freaking <laughs> accent from the United States Virgin Islands. Yes, you can speak standard American English with an accent. Mm-hmm. You can yeah, use proper can. grammar with an accent. So I I'm not agree. assimilating anymore. I've been wearing my freaking head bald for the last five years. So even that alone wouldn't allow me to assimilate. So people don't know that was... E- Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think it's like uh, 100% I'm not proving my blackness to anybody. Yeah, like, that was- I'm not going I'm not to softening it for anybody either. Exactly. I'm not I'm going to assimilate it for you. Like I'm not going to fit it into the box that you that you need it to be. And I'm also not going to I'm not going to prove to you that I should be your choice of black. Yeah, that girl. I'm a exactly. black, black. This is the black girl that I am, yeah. and I'm allowed to be this because we are not a monolith, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you either take me as is with all my qualifications and yeah. with, with with all that I have to offer, or you leave it. Like, and I don't have to prove my blackness to exactly. anybody. And you know what? That was my that was probably my first, if I'm really thinking about it, because that was the first job I ever got here in America. But that was my first and last time doing that. One, because for one, I got the job, but two. We just talked earlier about when we bring up our oppression, we have to bring up our privilege. The company that I ended up working for, they were so inclusive. Like, even while I was there, I saw a lady walk by with purple hair. I saw a ton of Black people in the building, so I felt more comfortable. And instantly I knew, if I get this job, I don't have to wear a wig on my first day of work to be accepted. On my first day at work, I wore my puff. Um, The next company I ended up working at after that, when I interviewed, girl big curly fro okay and i got that job too but i will say like that was a nice little lesson for me like that need to assimilate i completely tossed it out the window mm-hmm. after that one interview but i'm not gonna act like i didn't feel the need when i first moved up here because i'm of like course. girl like but we, we we do have to acknowledge as caribbean black people or non-american blacks because i'm it's it, that's a weird thing right that 
we do have a privilege in the fact that Americans tend to box in black Americans and make them out to be lazy or not have work ethic. So a lot of times black people from out of the United States are quickly accepted over black Americans. You mean from outside that, of the United States? Yeah. So like, like we're black from the Virgin Islands, right? Black Americans are treated differently than us a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, they That's still true. see us as black people, but they see us as having more culture or more work ethic or being harder workers and all that of that. True. And You're right. that is kind of, that kind of gives us an upper hand. So, I mean, we have to just use that privilege responsibly. For me, if I'm in a space and I hear people saying that bullshit, it's just like, yeah, no, cut that out. Like, yeah, making sure to you know, but it. I'm making sure yeah. to highlight like your black American counterparts who are not lazy. Like when you hear those little stereotypes, you take that time to be like, actually such and such just right. did, you know, whatever the case. Right. Cause a lot of yeah. black Americans still feel like they have to assimilate and rightfully so. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm, yeah. I'm glad that we're able to sit here and be like, yeah, I ain't assimilating. Fuck that. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's still a we, demographic we were, of... We were really blessed to grow up in a predominantly black community. Like, exactly. Governor black, our senators black. Yeah. We grew up seeing black excellence. Black. And right. you know what? Like, Low-key, there's a certain confidence that people from the black people from the Caribbean tend to have, especially when your leaders look like you and things yeah, like that. Yeah, that's fine. Look because and sound like you. Even yeah. They ain't talking with us. They ain't talking... No, they... Yes, <laughs> so we all... Like Thomas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they don't sound like Susan. We it's all so like Charlie. definitely have that level of privilege. And I guess maybe sometimes our confidence is a little misunderstood. Like, it's like, why yeah, are we arrogant? Yeah, they don't find we to be a little arrogant. Like, they either really gravitate toward us because we they find us to be lit or they think we're arrogant. And it's yeah. like, yeah. but it, no. It's, it's because the type of oppression we've dealt with is very different. And we it's exactly to our oppressors differently. Like, we're more annoyed by white people than we are. <laughs> than we are. Yeah, we, y'all can listen to the colonization episode if y'all want some more context on Yeah, there. like, it's, it's <laughs> le- my favorite episode. It's less, I want to assimilate to sort of please you. And it's more, bitch. I'm here. Right. Yo, right. I you know I'm the baddest. That's your job where I assimilated for the interview. Once I got the job, I remember my TL. This is my supervisor, my direct supervisor. She tried me. She came at me with a little bit of a tone and I came right back with the same tone. And I remember everyone being so shook. I'm being like, and for me, it's simple. If you mm. want respect, you give respect. But respect is on, baby. But the thing I think is important for us to recognize too, you know, in this topic of conversation, it goes back to us recognizing privilege. Mm-hmm. And on top of recognizing privilege, making sure that we're going to support our Black American co-workers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because at my job, for example, and this is not to say that, you know, I, I have a, a toxic workspace or anything like that. My job is a very pleasant job. But I... I'm one of three women of color who work there. The I would say, and it, it's sort of like a sliding scale, I guess. So I'm I'm right in the middle. I'm the person who's racially ambiguous, but everybody at the job knows that I'm black. They know I'm from the Caribbean. There's a very obviously black woman who works with us, and then there's a another girl my age who is half black and half Mexican and looks more Mexican than anything. Right? When it comes to issues on blackness. I notice my coworkers tend to come to me to sort of give their commentary. When all the Black Lives Matter stuff was happening, they were sending me the text messages to say, are you okay? Da, 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 da. And the thing is, they don't know that the three of us talk. So I knew mm. that they weren't sending those text messages or that $10 That's on Venmo, so cool. get yourself a coffee shit, that white pit guilt shit. They Wait, what? Yes. I would have. Yes. I, I am so offended by that. I would have said that. No, and and the person who did it, I had to have a conversation with her and be like, um, can I give this money to a bail fund instead because this I don't feel right. That's I don't so need Right, but that aside, right? They didn't do oh. that with the 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 uh, darker the other... black woman, and I've noticed that they sort of come to me. Because I'm sort of the safe medium in between both, right? They see the one girl as not black enough. They see the other girl as too black. And then they see me Mm -hmm. as she's black and we know she cares about black issues, but she's safer, right? So it's like, we need to make sure that when we come into those spaces, even though we don't have the same response to white people as as black Americans, we need to be able to protect them in those spaces because... Right. Let me tell you something. 
Yeah. Sorry to cut you off here, Isa, because you see how you said we got to protect them in those spaces, right? Sometimes it's hard to protect what you don't understand, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for a while, especially like in my early years of living and working in the States, I have directly seen where some, a lot of Black Americans really don't want to come in and do the most. Like we're, a lot of us tend to be overachievers. And that's a, probably another topic for another day about how toxic it is to be an overachiever, right? Girl that been, right. So, so I remember being like, damn, like y'all literally giving these people shit to say about y'all. Like just... Do the best you could do. You know what I mean? Mm. But you know, I was working at my last big job, right? I ain't going to say the name of the company. But I remember I had a black, black American co-worker who was straight up American. Like his ancestry is the slave trade that came to the U.S. Okay? And one of the things he said, because like, you know me, I'm always going to come in and do, do my best. Like if, if they tell me flip this table, I'm going to flip it with my pinky and then put it back and flip it again with the next pinky, right? <laughs> and... He said to me, and he didn't say it in an offensive way. And he said, you know, Diamond, you have such, I love your energy. And you to come in here and you to just like, I, he, he, he said, I wish I could have that spirit, but I, I'm never going to do more than I need to do for no white owned company. He said, my ancestors built this country and I'm going to do what I get paid to do. Yeah. yeah. And and, it, but and it's, I, it's because of those different experiences. So their, right, their right. experience has largely been oppression. And that's not to say that we haven't been oppressed. Right. But it's to say that, yeah. And, and like in the, the decolonization episode, we were talking about the fact that our racism was presented to us in the form of tourism. tourism we're exactly. naturally yeah. sort of conditioned to be those hospitable, work harder mm-hmm. than everybody else people. Yes. And I think, yeah. and that goes back to what I was saying. I think a part of it is that I'm in that, you know, racially ambiguous space and they feel more comfortable. But I also feel that it's because I do my job in a certain way and they feel like I come to work to people, please type thing. Exactly. It's it's not that. It's that's how how Caribbean Caribbean people are trained to work. We go above and beyond all the time, sometimes without bricks and it's exhausting right. this is actually my you. first time like now like i shit i work part-time for crying out loud but even now <laughs> i have to force myself to not to do above and beyond because i'm like all this energy you point into making these people money you can be putting mm. into yourself and making yourself money building mm-hmm. your own business so i come and i do the scope of my work and Period. sometimes i do that's my favorite thing to ask people, you know, what's the scope of work? Right. <laughs> like, that's what I'm doing. From the time that man said that to me, I said, oh, yeah? Don't talk about Black Americans walking back to me. Did they do their job? Okay, what more you want? Yeah, I used, to, I, to even, girl, I used to I be out here doing way more than I was being paid to do. And I had to really, and it was part of me even leaving my last job where I was full time. I was doing the most and, and I wasn't going anywhere. And I was like, girl, this is a lot of energy that you could be investing in yourself. You're making me, you helping these people retain a lot of money, but you ain't making a fraction of the amount of money that this company bringing in. So now I just make sure to focus on the scope of my work. So conversation like this, right? And sorry to cut you off on this guy, but conversations, no, conversations like this are important because a couple of weeks ago, we had all these companies with their Black Lives Matter statements and all these influencers with their Blackout Tuesday and just all this shit, right? How deep is your understanding of Blackness or you're wanting to do something for the Black community if you can say something like Black Lives Matter, but then when we go to work, you treat Black people differently according to how aggressive exactly. you think they are. And which which black person is the nicer mm-hmm. one and which one is the more relatable one and all of that shit. Like how deep is your, your sort of understanding of how complicated it is to be black? To be black. Because it's not just racism that we face. We leave that, that form of oppression with racism. And then we come into our own communities and deal with the oppression in the form of colorism preferences yeah. because preferences and colorism you know, the Latina and... girls are nicer. Yeah, I hear no, that offense, so much. no offense to the Latin community, but a lot of them brats crazy. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> These brats will literally stab you in front of your mother, but somehow they are paying the more Look, docile hate, women. What? I hate that. There's shit. nothing docile about Latina There's women. There's nothing. They you will literally them. gut you in front of your whole family, and it's just like. They could take gang calls. They could take gang calls from a Spanish woman, but if a black woman raised their voice even one octave. It, they it's doing drama. the most well, they always all, and extra, that goes back and to I hate that shit. that goes back to the whole like the the reason there's a say her name movement and all of that stuff mm-hmm. when it comes to black women especially dark-skinned black women and things that happen to us 
People use, <laughs> co- even colorism comes into that because mm-hmm. I guarantee you, if somebody who looked like me had what happened to Sandra Bland happen to her, it oh, would be a whole oh, other ball game. It would, it would be, be a whole lot of ball game. And because you know, it so happened to Sandra Bland, they thought she she had a was so aggressive. Very Yeah, that was the first thing is why was she being so disrespectful to the officers? And it's like, I don't tell people all the time, Sandra Bland died because she knew her rights. I mean, obviously because she's a black woman, but at the end of the day, that woman knew her rights and she knew them. They had no business going on, so was she. But because she dared to speak up, because black woman, how dare you? Close your mouth. Right. They, they offed her, okay? Yeah. And called it suicide, okay? I just hope people understand, like, how much layers there are to mm-hmm. this shit. It's not... People want so to many make layers. colorism this simple conversation of, oh, so many it's layers. not colorism, it's preferences. No. Where no. do your preferences it's come from? Mm-hmm. How are they ingrained? How have they been taught to you? Look mm-hmm. at your family. Ask yourself how look your family your talks family. about skin tone. Yup. I mean, <laughs> look, look, how, look how men even grow up, right? Like, even, even as a kid, you... you internalize wanting a woman with longer straight hair you Mm. you don't like the fact that her hair ain't straight right you don't Mm -hmm. like the fact that she still get bubble plait in her hair and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff right because you're taught to like that type and you don't realize it until you get older and he's like why did i like that like eventually i reached a point you know and you know i had a friend of mine and you know we would talk and bounce those discussions off and she would be like what what would be your thing against natural hair and it's like like when i really sit down it's like nothing like that yeah like nothing you know what i mean and it's just like you you it's just so layered as a man because it's so easy to perpetuate as a man because other men are doing it so yeah. like there's like this group think of preference now where yeah just and like the, the what other men liking right and, and the sad thing is it's it's nobody's fault because it's like that's what we've been conditioned to 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 right. to think is normal, right? So we just have it to becomes your it. fault. It, yes, it becomes your fault when you're close-minded to the facts. Right, like, like if you're if fact, you're making them so aware of it, like you're a grown person now, right? Like you're not a teenager anymore. You're able you to understand concepts and stuff like that. If you are constantly coming online and regurgitating the same bull crap mm-hmm. that we've been internalizing from our kid is like, when are you going to grow up? When are you going to understand that exactly. this is not, you know, it's correct. problematic. This is not the I'm way. I'm going back to the South. I'm going back, 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 back. Hey, beautiful people. Me and Deidre genuinely hope that you are enjoying this episode so far. So we have some good news and some bad news. The good news is that you get a part two of this episode. We ended up having such a good discussion that it lasted well over two hours. So we're splitting it into part one and part two. Now the bad news is that you have to wait until next Monday to check out part two right back here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening. We promise we'll be back before you know it. But if you enjoyed this episode, hop onto our social media and let us know. Share this episode link with your friends and family. As always, you know where to find us. Good Up is hosted and produced by Deidre Ritter and Hey Isaac Quinones Ivory and is a proud member of the Kicking It family. Find us on all social media platforms at Good Up Pod. Use hashtag Good Up Tuesday to continue the conversation and get access to exclusive bonus content at patreon.com slash goodup podcast. 